collaboration there for you by Zulu and the fabulous Rojanetsia, which claims a Canadian connection, and that song was called Mini Mili, My Sweetheart. Vitaio vas vsichshinovni radio suhechi na radio peredaču naš holos radio krinskoho korinja. Pomereži PCJ Radio. Je kapodeci vam anglijsku i movoju z britansku i kolumbiju v Kanadji. S vami Paulina Makwari, djakuju što rišale perebuti zimnoju nastupnu hodenu. Hello there and welcome to Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio coming to you from Vancouver Island on the west coast of Canada, courtesy PCJ Radio. I'm your host, Paulette Demchuk-Makwari, Pokrinska Pavlina, and I'm delighted to have you with me. We've got a great program lined up for you. We have news from Ukraine, courtesy Ukraine Today. As well, we have a book review and a story about growing up in the Soviet Union, so stay tuned for all of that. As well, our usual proverb of the week, other items of interest, and great Ukrainian music. And if you got your dancing boots for that song that opened the show. You're going to need to keep them laced up because we have Millennia here from Edmonton from their CD Bratya, which means brothers, and a song that was made popular in Ukraine. It's actually quite recent, although it sounds like it's been around a while. Yeah, maybe it kind of has been in the collective consciousness. Here is Millennia now with Kurochka, the chicken. <laughs>
foresight and generosity of its donors, the Taras Shevchenko Foundation has been investing in the future of the Ukrainian-Canadian community for over 50 years. Since 1963, the Taras Shevchenko Foundation has been funding initiatives that strengthen our Ukrainian-Canadian identity and enhance our Ukrainian-Canadian cultural heritage. These include fine and performing arts and arts groups, museums, cultural centers, education, as well as authors, journalists, and the Ukrainian-Canadian media, including this program. The Foundation strives to become the premier not-for-profit foundation in a Canada which acknowledges the Ukrainian-Canadian community as a fundamental component of Canadian society. Nash Hollis listeners are encouraged to support this vision through continued donations into the future. To apply for grants, make a donation, or for more information, visit ShochenkoFoundation.com. Ukrainian Jewish Heritage is a bi-weekly series sponsored by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter based in Toronto, featuring stories of Ukrainians and Jews working together in solidarity and harmony to restore and strengthen centuries-old bonds and affinities nearly destroyed by hostile outside forces in the bloody 20th century and even today. Tune in next week for another episode of Ukrainian Jewish Heritage brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter here on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio.
Montreal, a group called Rosa, which stands for the Do, and uh, this is uh, the next generation of Ukrainian Canadian singers from that incredible well of Ukrainian Canadian talent being Montreal. And that song was Chervonenki Buryachok, and that means a little red beet, and that is pretty much an essential ingredient for the quintessential Ukrainian soup known as borscht. And coming up next is a group from uh, New York City, the Big Apple. Yeah, and uh, they're called Hrim. And from their self-titled CD, here's a song about a young girl going to pick mushrooms, another ingredient for Ukrainian borscht. And uh, so here they are now, Hrim, from New York City with Oydivchena Pohrebechodela. Na pohriby chodila, zelenomu haju zabudila. A ja čornjava ničky, ne spala ničky, ne spala s tobou gulala. A ja čornjava ničky, ne spala ničky, ne spala s tobou gulala. Oj kozače molody hutjaju, vivi mene zelenoho haju. A ja čornjava ničky, ne spala ničky, ne spala s tobou gulala. А я чорнява нічки, не спала нічки, не спала з тобою гуляла. A sam pišel do roužukate A ja črnjava ničky, ne spala ničky, ne spala s tobou gulala A ja črnjava ničky, ne spala ničky, ne spala s tobou gulala Oj šukati do temnoji noči, pala rosa do sinji oči A ja črnjava ničky, ne spala ničky, ne spala s tobou gulala A ja črnjava Nicky, Miss Bala, Nicky, Miss Bala, Stover, you will yala. Now, the latest news stories from Ukraine, courtesy Ukraine's first international English news channel, Ukraine Today. Two Ukrainian servicemen were killed and five more wounded by Russian-backed militants. The hottest points remain the approaches to Maripol, Marienka and Avdiivka. More than 36 shellings over the past 24 hours were registered in Donbass. Each of them lasted for at least half an hour. 
30 cases of ceasefire violation have been recorded in Donbass conflict zone overnight. According to Ukraine's ATO headquarters, Russian-backed militants opened their fire mainly in the Mariupol sector. Ukrainian army positions were shelled with mortars in Vodyane, Krasnohorivka, Gnutove, Taremchuk and Marinka. Large-caliber machine guns and grenade launchers were also active in those towns as well as in the Avdiivka industrial zone. Separatists used artillery to shell the town of Bohuslavske in Luhansk region. One Ukrainian soldier has been reported injured for the past day in the ATO zone. 36 attacks along the whole front line have been noted in the Donbass conflict zone overnight. No casualties have been reported by Ukraine's ATO headquarters. The most intensive militant fire was traditionally directed in the Mariupol direction, 17 cases of a ceasefire break. Russian-backed separatists used grenade launchers and small arms in the area of Hranitne, Lebedinske, Hnutove and Novotroitske, mortars in the area of Shirokine and Krasnohorivka. Another 10 attacks took place near Donetsk and 9 in the Luhansk region. Banned weapons have also been applied in those sectors. Ukrainian officials say the militants have been increasing their attacks to put more pressure on Kyiv ahead of the next meeting in Minsk, scheduled to take place on November the 9th. 495 Ukrainian women and 68 children have been killed since Russia invaded eastern Ukraine. First deputy chairperson of Ukraine's parliament and Ukrainian envoy for the humanitarian issues at the Minsk peace talks, Irina Garashenko, announced at a UN Security Council meeting on October the 25th. Ukraine's MP emphasized that the problem of women's and children's rights violations on the temporarily occupied territories is especially complicated. Every fourth person who has been in captivity of the pro-Russian militants became a victim or a witness of a gender-based violence. Sexual violence is used as part of their tortures to spread panic and fear. According to the Security Service of Ukraine data, 238 women have been taken into captivity in the separate areas of Donetsk and Lugansk regions over the past two years. By now, 233 women have been found and released due to the efforts of the Ukrainian authorized agencies. Five more women are still in captivity. Gerashenko once again appealed to the United Nations to include the issues of sexual violence in the eastern Ukraine's conflict zone and in the organization's mandate. We know about the facts of human trafficking in the temporary occupied territories, about sexual assaults and exploitation, about forcing children to take part in military actions. All of this is unacceptable in the modern world. Ukraine is not alone in its conflict against Russia. Europeans are fighting alongside the Ukrainian army to protect their own home. That's what the two volunteers from Italy say. Giuseppe Donini and Walter Nibiolo came to Donbass two years ago. They say they got involved in the war for the sake of whole Europe. Yeah, I'm here because, uh, of course, I would like my Europe free from invaders. I know this is impossible, but I try to do my best. I saw how they were fighting and what they were fighting for, and I said, yes, they're worth trying to help. Uh, help is minimal, but something is better than nothing. Both volunteers have had their share of combat. They served in the Italian army, the French Foreign Legion, took part in private military operations in Africa and the Middle East. Danini and Nebbiolo say they bought the equipment to fight in Ukraine with their own money. They add Ukrainian soldiers are passionate, but still poorly equipped. We're still sharing arms. You know, we're very, very under-equipped at the moment. We've got no night vision, very few guns. I thought that uh, there would be a bit more help especially equipment-wise, because the people have got the heart, but I mean, they don't have anything to do the work with. Nebbiolo tells average people in Europe know very little about the war in Ukraine. The duo only laughs off the fact that several Italian regions want the sanctions lifted from Moscow. They say some of their own countrymen are even fighting alongside the Russian-backed militants right now. When Doninia and Nebbiolo were defending the Donetsk airport areas, they were attacked by another Italian citizen, Massimiliano Cavalieri, and he's not the only one there. A very good friend of mine is working to the other side. We already worked together overseas. He was. Yeah, we were. They worked together for many years and then... And then, yeah. On the other side and he decided on this. Then he decides to... We spoke together and he said to me, I I go, I come with you. 
yeah, we go in, in Donbass. And I say, no, wait, I want to go for Ukraine. Oh, no, no, Ukraine, no. no. So he left and he's working. Maybe he's here, three kilometers from here, who knows? The Italians don't know how long they will be able to stay in Ukraine. Danino, though, says he would like to become a part of the country. It would be fantastic, uh, Ukrainian citizenship. So I, I'm going to do it as soon as possible. But before that happens, they both have a lot of work to do. Even despite the ceasefire agreement, the militants continue their attacks. The guns in the conflict region don't go silent, even for a single day. On October the 19th, Russian-backed proxies released and transferred to Ukrainian representatives 23 prisoners from the jails under militant control. It happened three days after the Donbass warlord nicknamed Motorola was murdered. Among those 23, 11 are the criminals who were sentenced to a life imprisonment, as Ukrainian counterintelligence says. During an interview with the prisoners, we determined they had been forced to fight in illegal formations of the so-called separatist republics. The prisoners themselves helped to identify the mobilizer to convict's army, Savchuk Oleksandr, the so-called prosecutor for correctional facilities of the Donetsk People's Republic and previously a deputy chief of the Yanakiova Panel Colony. He became the one who assigned lifetime prisoners and dangerous criminals to serve at the front from the separatist forces. This is the first sign that militants were looking for nothing more than cannon fodder from inmates from local jails. The Ukrainian army learned and witnessed in the Avdivka industrial zone. In April 2016, Ukrainian soldiers saw people from the other side dressed in civilian cloth digging trenches. Some of them were wearing prison garb. They were prisoners dressed in civilian clothing, looking like they were not afraid to die. These prisoners were caught up as hostages in the town of Shirok, Released from where? From prison. Sentenced for what? For theft. More often than not, prisoners with a life-term sentence were asked to fight. These prisoners have nothing to lose. From our colony, two were taken to the front. Eleven convicts were transported from the Yanakiva Panel Colony, which is located in the occupied part of Donbass. At least another two were used by militants as soldiers, convict Strelchuk and convict Verilan. Separatists forced them to go, fired guns into the prison's gates. Strelchuk, who fought in militant formations against the Ukrainian army, when he returned to prison, he spoke about his fighting service. I talked to Strelchuk. He said that when a Grad missile system arrived, it was all computerized, getting location coordinates for launching fire. Both militant prisoners returned to the Inakiva prison a year later. If to be more exact, separatist forces returned them. And they are not the only ones, and not the first, who exchanged their freedom for killing Ukrainians. The number of prisoners among militants is not a secret for the Ukrainian intelligence. About 30% may be involved. I would not fight. I've killed enough people. Now the future of 23 prisoners, including 11 life-term convicts, is in the hands of the Ukraine's judiciary system and Ukrainian taxpayers. Ukrainian patriots burned the flag of Russian-backed separatists in the center of Donetsk and have risen the flag of Ukraine on one of the local slag heaps. The video appeared on the internet on October the 25th. Patriots who raised the flag said they are members of the Donetsk resistance. According to their statement, they acted on behalf of other patriots of Ukraine who live in militant-held Donetsk. As proof of this video is filmed in Donetsk, the activists captured on camera a few recognizable views of the city from the slag heap. Earlier, they published a video burning the flag of DPR near the Donbass Arena Stadium in the center of militant-occupied Donetsk. Activists said the war started because local population believed the Kremlin propaganda and called Russian militants like Gherkin, Motorola, to their land. Also, the activists called militant states in Donbass not a people's, but a gangster's republic. 
Nadia Savchenko returned to Moscow to attend Russia's Supreme Court hearing on an appeal against the sentencing of Ukrainian Stanislav Klik and Mykola Karpuk, who were slapped with a sentence of up to 22 years in prison for fighting in the 1990s Chechia war. This is the first visit of Savchenko to Moscow after her two-year imprisonment. She explained this trip was a necessity to support the Ukrainians in the courtroom and show her solidarity. U.S. Vice President Joe Biden greeted Ukraine with finishing the first stage of e-declaration. During a phone conversation with Ukrainian President Petro Poroshenko, he called e-declaring an important step in fighting corruption. Politicians also discussed the situation in Donbass. Biden once again reiterated the importance of continuing sanctions against Russia until it completes the Minsk agreements. The United States is deeply concerned about recent escalation of fighting in eastern Ukraine. The US mission to OSCE said in a statement issued on October the 27th. The mission underscores that while artillery used doubled, Ukrainian forces report coming under heavy fire from grad rockets and ceasefire violations have increased ninefold since fighting surged around Mariupol. The combined Russian separatist forces continue to deny access to the OSCE monitors. In over 19 separate incidents during the past week, the SMM confirmed that combined Russian separatist forces restricted monitors' movements in and around Mariupol. As a result, monitors were blocked from accessing a potential hub for Russian resupply of troops and equipment 50 kilometres northeast of Mariupol. Despite combined separatist forces' restrictions, the SMM continues to document evidence that Russia is sending troops and equipment into Ukraine. Silver coins dated as far back as the 16th century. Cossack pipes and secret underground corridors were found in Zhitoma. The treasures were unveiled during reparation works in a historical part of the town. The digging has taken place for several days already, and every day brings new discoveries. Archaeologists say the underpass they found was probably built some five to six hundred years ago. It is at least 300 metres long and leads to St. Sophia Church. And with that, we've come to the end of this week's Ukraine News Roundup for this edition of Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. To hear more news from Ukraine today, check all of this week's editions of Nasholos at www.nasholos.com. And for their full roster of breaking stories, as well as interviews, press reviews, and in-depth analysis on Ukraine, follow Ukraine Today on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and their live blog, uatoday.tv. Vyslúchejte radiopredáču náš holos Rádio Krínského Koríňa na bátomovní radiostanci AM 1320 CHMB u místí Vancouveri. Hovorit Pavlína. You're listening to Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio on AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver. I'm your host Pavlina.
Это пан господарь, я сын мистер, жена Йога, а три гнезирки, их не детки, дай Боже! From Ukraine, a group called Taruta, and a fairly recent recording, at least, uh, uploaded to YouTube and downloaded here at Nasholos, and that song was called Daiboja, which translates literally as it's a, a toast, Daiboja to God. Welcome to Knishka Corner, book reviews by Myra Junik, Ukrainian stories in English. In this edition of Knishka Corner, we will be discussing Marsha Forchuk Skripuk's novel, Underground Soldier. Underground Soldier is a companion novel to Skripuk's two award-winning novels, Stolen Child and Making Bombs for Hitler. In this novel, Skripuk explores the life of fugitives from Nazi prison camps. It also gives readers a portrait of the courageous Ukrainian insurgent army, the UPA which was caught between two terrible enemies in the Second World War, the Soviets and the Nazis. Luka Barukovich is a teenager who has spent many long and harsh months in a Nazi slave camp. He survives with the help of friends. One of his closest friends is Lida. She thought of me as her big brother Luka, and I loved her with all my heart. Luca escapes the slave camp by lying in a truck full of dead bodies. After he is free, he constantly worries about what is happening to his friend, Lida. As he wanders the countryside, Luca is determined to return to Kiev. He wants to find his father, even though he knows that his father is in Siberia. He fears both the Nazis and the Soviets. After finding temporary shelter with sympathetic German farmers, Luca realizes he must move on in order to survive. He meets a young girl named Martina in the wilderness who escaped a massacre in her village of Lidice in Czechoslovakia. The two travel together until they are saved from death at the front by members of the UPA. They spend weeks tending the wounded in an underground hospital and defending the village of Juraki. In the process, they learn that the UPA is fighting against the Nazis and the Soviets for equality of all citizens, regardless of age, sex, religion, or nationality. Will Luka ever be reunited with Lida and his family? Skripuk based her novel on the real-life experiences of Peter Potichny, Professor Emeritus of Political Science at McMaster University, who joined the UPA when he was 14. He is the editor-in-chief of Litopis UPA, which is a collection of 115 volumes of documents about the UPA. The plot of Underground Soldier is fast-moving. It is told as a chronological narrative interspersed with flashbacks. Both male and female readers will be interested in the fast-paced and heart-stopping events of this novel. Through the courageous actions of Luca, readers will be able to relate to the actual events of World War II. In the process, they will learn about prison camps in Nazi Germany, Soviet oppression in Ukraine, the atrocities of Babinyar and Bukovina, as well as the aftermath of World War II. There is also a useful glossary of terms at the end of the book. Although the novel can stand alone, readers who have read the other two novels in this series will have better appreciation for the characters and events of the background narrative. If readers haven't read Stolen Child and Making Bombs for Hitler yet, they will definitely want to do so after reading this book. Marsha Forchuk-Skripuk has received numerous awards and honors for her picture books and young adult novels, including Aram's Choice, which was nominated for the Canadian Library Association Book of the Year for Children in 2007. In 2008, Marsha was awarded the Order of Princess Olha by the Ukrainian President Yushchenko in recognition of Picture Book Enough, which described the Holodomor a Soviet-engineered famine 
in which 7 million Ukrainians were starved to death in 1932-33. Marsh's novel, Making Bombs for Hitler, won the Silver Birch Award in 2012 and was on the 2014 shortlist for the Kobzar Literary Award. Skripuk's Underground Soldier was a finalist for the 2016 Kobzar Literary Award. The novel gives readers of all ages a unique perspective into the events of the Second World War and shines a light on a forgotten piece of history for readers of all ages. It is available at Chapters and Amazon. Thanks, Myra. Join us again soon for another edition of Kanishka Corner, book reviews by Myra Junik, here on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio.
добрий день. My name is Serhii Kaznadi in Toronto, Canada. And I am pleased to narrate Victor's vignettes, stories about life in Soviet and post-Soviet Ukraine. These stories were written by Viktor Sergeyev, who lives in Mykolaiv, Ukraine. Viktor worked as freelance technical translator from English, but now has multiple sclerosis, which makes speaking difficult for him. But he finds great joy and a creative outlet in writing and sharing his stories online and here on Nazholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. You can find Viktor's original transcripts along with his commentary at his blog, Vignettes, Life in Ukraine. Links and audio files at nasholos.com. Compulsory Steps Growing Up Soviet Today, I will share with you the typical Soviet childhood, based on my own life experience. In Soviet times, children went through a very rigid process of indoctrination. There were three compulsory steps required of each child in order to grow into a proper Soviet citizen. Children began their studies at the age of seven. The first step was to be admitted to a program called Oktyabryata and become known as one of the so-called October children. The name comes from October, the month in which the Bolshevik Revolution took place. The Ukrainian name for October is Zhovtyn. It is derived from the word for gold, the color that leaves begin to turn in this month. To my mind, Zhovtyn is a much prettier and more descriptive name. However, Russian was the lingua franca of the Soviet Union, and speaking other ethnic languages, especially Ukrainian, was frowned upon. In some cases, it was actually dangerous. At the beginning of Oktyabryata, we were all presented with a little badge, a red star with a picture of a blonde little boy in the center of it, none other than Vladimir Lenin, founder of the Soviet Union. Even then, at such a young age, the program struck me as odd, surreal, like some kind of silly childish game, but it was a game the authorities took very seriously and it was only the beginning of a lifetime of such surreal games. I will never forget this propaganda nursery rhyme from my kindergarten days. That was, of course, in Russian. There was no Ukrainian version. Crucification was in full force. The English translation goes like this. I am a little girl, playing and singing. I haven't seen Lenin, but I love him. Our teachers at school constantly drilled into us, you must always write the word communist with a capital letter, and the word God with a small letter. What an ironic ideological paradox. Did they see, too? By the age of ten, and provided we studied well, we were admitted to the Young Pioneers. In the early 1920s, the Soviet regime created a pioneer organization modeled on the Western Boy Scouts organization, with the addition, of course, of stringent communist ideology. At this step, we were presented with a red necktie, called a Pionierski Galstuk, and another badge called Pionierski Znachok. On my blog, you can see a picture with all the three badges along with my original transcript. For the next four years, we were happy and proud to be part of the Young Pioneers. Apart from the communist indoctrination, it was a fun time, just as I imagine it was for boy and girl scouts in the West. However, our necktie gave away our age. At the age of 14... Every teenager wants to look older. So once we left the school grounds, we would hide the necktie. At 16, we were admitted to Komsomol, the youth division of the Communist Party. In actual fact, every teenager in the USSR from the age of 14 automatically became a Komsomol member. 
Only those who studied poorly or were sent to juvenile prisons did not. Children of very religious parents were also excluded. But we had to pretend we were making a conscious and enthusiastic decision to join Komsomol or not. What a decision it was. Did we want access to officially sponsored holidays? Did we want to pursue higher education? Did we want to get a good job, perhaps one with the privilege of going on business trips? As children, we were well aware that there were no tourist trips at all, even to socialist countries, for any child whose parents were not high-ranking Communist Party officials. So, did we want to live without even the small pleasures, as few and far between as they were, that came with the Communist Party membership? Well, of course, I joined Komsomol. I wanted the best life possible in that wretched system. Now I pray those days never return, and my daughter and her contemporaries will never have to endure the lunacy and absurdity the previous generation did. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Victor's Vignettes, stories from the life of Viktor Sergeyev in Mykolaiv, Ukraine. You can find Viktor's original transcripts and commentary at his blog, Vignettes, Life in Ukraine. For audio archives and links, visit www.nashholos.com. So until next time, do pobaczenia! Up next, the Kupasonics from their CD Big Beat Music, B-E-E-T, and this is a polka from Lviv. Coming up this week in Vancouver's Ukrainian community. On Wednesdays, catch Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio broadcasting live from Nanaimo to north and central Vancouver Island, the Gulf Islands, the Sunshine Coast, northwest Washington State, and in the greater Vancouver listening area. Wednesdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Pacific Time on CHLY Radio Malaspina, 101.7 FM on the radio dial and streaming online at chly.ca. Nasholos now airs in international syndication on the PCJ Radio Network, broadcasting weekly on AM, FM, and shortwave radio to over 20 countries. Information and podcast links on PCJ Radio at www.pcjmedia.com.
Channel 8 Omni airs two Ukrainian-language TV shows in the Vancouver viewing area, Kontakt TV Sundays at 7 a.m., with repeats Tuesdays at 9 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 a.m., and Forum TV Sundays at 8 a.m., with repeats on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. and Thursdays at 12 noon. And at 6 p.m. on Saturday evenings, flip your radio dial right back here to AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver or catch the live stream at am1320.com. And join me for another hour of fun on Nasholus Ukrainian Roots Radio. In between broadcasts, make sure to follow Nasholus and me on Facebook and Twitter. And for audio archives, transcripts, podcast feeds and more, visit our website at www.nasholus.com. Mickey and Bunny with that American folk classic that uh, Ukrainians have had no problem adopting and adapting, homebrew or Mountain Dew. Nu mi všeskin čele naša programu poranem proščate se na štelden težden, bo vše často domo vizkazate do pobačenja. Ale pred tem jo hoću zalešiti vas cime slovame mudrostja. Ne vse staromu druhovi možeš povirati. And our proverb of the week translates as, One cannot always trust an old friend. Well, that brings us to the end of another program here on Nasholos. So to take us to the end, we have the Canadian Rhythm Masters from Winnipeg and the Moody River Polka. I'm Pavlina on behalf of all of us here at Nasholos and AM 1320. Thanks for listening and Dobranich. <laughs>
Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.